Anyway, enough of that. How many of you have ever gotten on uh, Ancestry.com? Anybody? Anybody ever done that? I, ac- I actually uh, went to this, this page. I didn't do anything on the page. I just went there. And it's so creepy. Now in my Facebook feed, I get all these ads for this. You know, it's just how we're all connected. It's just bizarre and creepy. And uh, I, I've never actually gone to this site. I've been curious about it. And I've had friends who do it. And I've had, had uh, friends of mine who've even done the genetic test, you know, where you send it off and see what you are or whatever. And I, I don't know about, let me just ask though, how many of you uh, have kind of researched any of your ancestry at all? Anybody? It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it, there's an interest level to it. And um, I don't know if you grew up this way, but I grew up hearing about our family. Anybody else, you hear family stories? And I do have an, an unusual last name. My last name is Luce, L-U-C-E, and people all the time will think, they just ask what it is. And I guess based on the way I look, they assume different things. I mean, they've assumed it was Italian, and they'll say, is that Luce? I'll say no, but there is, that is a word in, yeah, that is a word in Italian, but that's not my name, that's not my heritage anyway, and um, at least not what I've been told. And my family, my dad's family was really into it, and for some reason, my grandma, who wasn't a loose, actually, you know how that works, she wasn't actually a loose, but she took on this huge thing, and part of the family, and I've got this book somewhere in some box somewhere that's like this thick that goes way back, way, 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 way back. But I was goofing around with this, just thinking about this kind of stuff for tonight. And um, I haven't done this in a long time, but I just, I put that name in Google. Did you, you guys ever do that with your names? Now, if it's Smith, obviously that's not going to be the same. But a weird name like mine, it will be different. So I, I put that in, and all this stuff pops up in Scotland, which I never, we're not Scottish. We're not. But I was laughing. There's this city called Old Luce. I thought that was funny. And then you read about it, and it talks about there was a new Luce and an old Luce, and they officially divided back in the 1600s, and then there's Glen Luce there. I thought that was humorous, right? So then I looked at it on the map, and it's really funny to me. But if you look right up there, there's that. (laughs) It's just stupid. Because it's stupid because I never heard of this, and it's not my family. But there's a loose right up there, and then there's that, and then this is Loose Bay. Who knew? And there it is. If you look in Scotland, it's just north of the Isle of Man right there in the United Kingdom. So I was looking at that, and I was kind of laughing, and I thought, well, if I did have Scottish heritage, I mean, what, what is Scottish heritage, really? I mean, we've all seen, you know, um, the movies, right? Like the Highlander, or, or what's, what's the one with Mel Gibson, the... Braveheart, oh my goodness. But who wants to be stingy like a Scotsman, right? You always pick and choose which traits you want, right? And so I was thinking, well, I mean, and so then I, I thought, well, if there is Scottish heritage, then we, we should have a tartan, right? You should have a pattern, one of those, you know, plaid patterns, but there isn't one because we're not. We're not that. So I'm thinking, where did that come from? I have no idea. Because what we've been told for my family history as the we were part of the Norman invasion of England, which Normandy's right across the channel there, that our family, our book traces it back to then, that they came over from then, so that there were there was like Viking heritage going back a long, long way, which again, you want to pick and choose, right? Which part of the Viking heritage you want? You don't want to be the plunder and rape. You want to be, I don't know what, but, right? <laughs> so my family supposedly, well, I know they came over from there. We know it's easy to trace that because it's a weird name. And Luce actually from the French is light, in French, L-U-C-E, and then in Spanish, anybody speak Spanish? L-U-Z is loose. What, what is it in, in Tagalog? I don't even know. What's light in Tagalog? Light. 
of, so, because there's so much Spanish influence, I didn't know if that might have been one of those words that crossed over, but anyway, so supposedly there's all that, and then they, they were Welsh, and so as a kid growing up, I heard all these stories about how my great-great-grandfather was cousins with this guy, have you ever heard of him? Probably not, because it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> but he wasn't even my direct descendant or anything, but he's the guy who founded Time, Life, and Fortune magazines, and then his wife, Claire Booth, uh, Luce, was a, a congresswoman, and then the first female ambassador, she was the ambassador to uh, both Italy and then later to Brazil, or Brazil and then Italy. But does that have anything to do with me? No. <laughs> I never knew him. There's no, you know, there's no connection really there. But it, it was kind of like that, because we heard about it all the time. But, you know, my family, we heard a lot about my great-great-grandfather. He was a, he had come, they, they were from Maine, and he came across as a deer hunter with the railroad and ended up in Northern California and then had all this property and then had three sons. And one of those was my grandfather. And then um, <clears throat> he, that, that original great-great-grandfather was a Methodist minister and he was all these other things in town. And then my grandfather was a constable. And then you, you want to draw on those heritages, right? The good stuff, right? Because one of my great uncles wasn't a good guy. But the other two were. You know, it's, it's funny how we do that, though. We want to pick and choose, and we want to have the good traits and not the bad traits. Um, it's just funny that way. We all have a background like that, right, and a heritage. And maybe you grew up hearing about it, and that's just my dad's dad's side. I mean, that doesn't include my grandma's side, who she was Irish, a daughter of Irish immigrants, and then my mom's side. I mean, we're part of all that. But then we want to grasp on those things. I remember as a kid in high school, I remember sitting in a high school class, and this is probably a very American thing to do because we were all sitting there talking about, well, I'm whatever we thought we were, Irish or English or whatever or whatever. And this girl was there. She was a foreign exchange student from uh, Finland. She said, you're all Americans. And we're like, well, yeah, but we're all this. She goes, no, you're not. She goes, have you ever been there? I'm like, no. Like, do you even know those languages? No. But then you're not that, you know, and she's like, I am Finnish, and I'm in America, you're Americans, that's what you are. <laughs> we just laughed, I mean, it's kind of like, she's right. But it's funny, we, we go through all these things, and you wonder, what does it mean? You want to pick and choose what it is. So part of my question to you tonight is, if all that's true or not true, I mean, we can pick the good things, and, and you, you do have a certain culture that comes down, and there are certain characteristics or traits maybe that might be associated with a certain country, but we all know that that's really a generalization because you've got all these traits in every family, let alone every country. I mean, you're going to have somebody in a family that's super talkative or super, you know, has a quick temper or whatever it is that you're talking about. The fact is, we are an amalgamation of all those backgrounds and heritages, but it's more than that because it's more than that because your family can develop a certain character and your country can have a certain character and your city and what you do for a living and if you're white collar or blue collar or hardworking or whatever it is, all of that goes into who you see that you are and you start to gain and develop an identity of who you are. And if you were to ask my kids today, I don't even know if they'd know all that stuff because we never talk about it. I don't think they would care unless it was something cool. They could say, oh, we're Highlanders or something. I don't know. What's more important to me is the cultural heritage that we pass on as parents and individuals to our families and friends and neighborhoods and culture. I mean, that's way, way, way more important. 
So let's talk about a common ancestor we all have, okay? How about Father Abraham? We're not going to do the song, in case you remember that. <clears throat> and you may be sitting here thinking, hold up, um, we're not Jewish. Anybody here Jewish, by the way? Any Jewishness at all? You may not realize this, but you, you actually have a, a more direct line of heritage, at least the way God sees it, to Abraham than even the Jews do. And he is the most respected Jewish ancestor. He is Father Abraham to them. You know, if they heard you say that, they'd probably be offended. The Muslims claim him too. But if you look in the book of Galatians in the New Testament, it says, in the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And then the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. That's us. What that's saying is that you have a closer line of heritage You are more closely related. You are true children of Abraham, true children of Abraham, because they're saying what he's saying here is being a child of Abraham is not about race, not about ethnicity, not about that culture. It's about the faith we share. And if you share his faith that you are a more true son of Abraham than anybody who is even born that way. When you look at that kind of thing, you know, it's it's sometimes hard to relate to. So let's do this. Let's look at Father Abraham. And see if we have anything in common with him, okay? So let's do this. Let's go back thousands of years, which seems weird to say, right? I mean, because we were looking at those dates. I don't know if you noticed those dates up there, 1600 or whatever. That's hard to even conceptualize, right? I mean, how far back can we even really connect ourselves to? You know, our country is what now two, just 230 years, 230 years old, 250 or whatever. I mean, as a nation. But, but they found it here back in the 1600s. And then if you were going back now thousands of years before christ to this time everything was different you need to understand that everything was different there was no new world as we know it here there was no the modern technology that you enjoy none of the things that you are familiar with are there but we're going back to the cradle of civilization really in the middle of mesopotamia you got to go way back to your you know maybe your high school years (laughs) here we are This is the account in Genesis chapter 11 of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram. They called him Abram before God renamed him Abraham. I don't want to get caught up in that, but Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, three brothers. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. Meanwhile, Abraham and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife is Milcah. Milcah and her sister Iscah were daughters of Nahor's brother Haran. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. And Terran lived there, lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. Here's what's interesting about that. You see there a family situation. And back then, that's pretty much all they had. But I don't want to stop there because I want us to get into some of the details about this. Let's, let's go first. God calls. The first thing I want you to see there. Because that doesn't change from thousands of years before Christ to today. You may think, and you may look at Scripture and think, well, these stories are like the highlights, and that was for them, not for me. What I want to show you tonight is it's not just for them. 
it is for you. Now, of course, Abraham is the father of a nation, and he's, he's the spiritual father of all of us as Christians. That's true, no doubt. But the fact is, what made him extraordinary wasn't any of that. Th- that all came later. God called him before all that. And if you read the scripture, there's nothing exceptional about who he was when God called him. And at first you might think, well, what's the point of that? Well, the point is that what makes him exceptional is the fact that he answers God's call. The fact is that God calls all of us, and what makes it different is whether or not you answer. Because he always calls. The question is whether or not you're going to answer. The difference, there was nothing necessarily special about Abraham except for his willingness to follow. That's what we see. Something else I love about this is that God chooses the ordinary. I don't know about you, but that's comforting to me. Because I, I know special people or people with special abilities or gifts in certain areas, and I'm always amazed by that. I mean, I just am. I mean, you see certain things people can do, and you think, that is amazing. And I love watching that. I don't know if you've ever seen those, those video clips of you know, amazing people that just do just incredible feats of athletic feats or whatever. It's, just, it's great to watch. But God doesn't need that. That's the beauty of it. And you know what? When you think about what's exceptional, he didn't create a ton of them. He created most people like us, regular, normal people. And the fact is, when he calls, he calls us. And if you respond, he does amazing things through you because it has nothing to do with your abilities. Because if you think about it, if it was all about your abilities, then you wouldn't need him in the first place. You would just go do it on your own. And we're always looking for the, the famous people or the singers or the actors or the great, you know, people that we think, man, if God would just, have you ever thought this? Maybe you've thought of some, I don't know, some celebrity, and you thought, man, if they would only become a Christian, can you imagine how many people would get saved? Have you ever had that thought? I've thought it. I've wondered. I mean, and then you hear about maybe somebody becoming a Christian, and you think, wow, that's going to really turn a lot of people to Christ. <laughs> it doesn't seem to, because that's not how it works. He uses us the regular normal people, because that's who he's trying to reach is the people you know who are regular normal people. Now, he can use them to reach them, and I think that's great. But the fact is, he's not looking for that. You know, Abraham's background isn't really exceptional. He wasn't a famous person. He wasn't a powerful person. He wasn't a city leader. He wasn't a politician. He wasn't a famous athlete. I wonder if they even had that back then, you think? Probably not. I don't know. Uh, Just some things we know about history. It wasn't explicitly mentioned there, but we get a hint about it. For instance, what do you think about his religious background right there? Any any ideas? The fact is, this is the beginning of God's establishment of what would eventually become Judaism and then Christianity. It starts with Abraham. The fact is, before this, he is not a, certainly not a Christ follower, not a Christian, And he's not even a follower of Yahweh God because he hasn't met him yet. One little little hint we get into the background there is the fact that his father's name, remember his father's name? Anybody? It was Haran. That is a variation of the moon god, Herky, that was very common in Mesopotamia. I know it sounds weird, Herky, but people then and and still, I mean, throughout history have worshipped the moon or the sun or the stars, those kind of things. That name, it would be common for you to name your child after the God you worshipped and then put like a different ending, which could mean anything from, you know, follower of, of the moon God or anything like that. So the implication we have is that at least in the beginning, he's a pagan and his family are pagans. 
something changes. But here's something else to think about. And I think this is significant. It's just interesting. But as time has gone on, you know, archaeologists have found out more and more. One of the things they found out is the city that they're from, Ur of the Chaldeans, they've actually found and gone back into layer after layer after layer, going back thousands of years before Christ. And they found evidence that there was actually plumbing back then. And there were times where they thought that didn't exist till the Chinese empires and, you know, obviously the Roman Empire had that kind of thing. But they're finding that even this civilization was very, very advanced. They found that they've actually had uh, primitive central heating systems. And um, probably the biggest find, they've, they're starting to uncover libraries from this time. Why that's significant is, I mean, you think about how, what it takes to actually get to the point where you want to have a library. Okay? I mean, we're kind of past libraries now. We're on the Internet. But... To actually, for a civilization to get to the point where they need or want a library means they have to have amassed that kind of knowledge that they think, hey, this is worthy of keeping, then have some kind of a storage mechanism, which would have been stone, and then, then value it enough to keep it. That's a big deal. Because a lot of civilizations, even today, that exist don't have that. And they had that. So at least we know he came from a very civilized, organized society. And what makes it more amazing that he followed God's call is he left all of that. We think about going to the Wild West, at least, you know, I grew up with that. Maybe that's a California thing, but you think about, you know, the, the, the West, go West, young man, or whatever. This is go out into the complete unknown. Go from what is civilized world to complete uncivilized. Here's something else to think about. Family was important to him. As we read those verses, I don't know if you picked a few things up there. I'm sure you did. But it talks specifically about dad and his three sons. One son died early. There's a nephew mentioned. We don't hear about the other brother until later. We hear about him, you know, being somebody that they send kids to, to, you know, find wives, that kind of thing. But what we see is that family was important to Abraham. And ultimately, you see, as we go along in the story, you'll see that that he took care of his um, nephew. And something else to think about is... um, you know, Lot, we, we hear about Lot going forward in the scriptures, and we hear about, you know, what he did later in the scriptures. And I wonder sometimes if maybe him not having a father had something to do with those choices. I don't know. But one thing I see in Abraham that I really respect is the fact that there was loyalty there. He was loyal to his brother. He took care of his nephew. And this is something you may not have picked up just in the casual reading, but he was also loyal to his wife. She was barren. It mentions that because it's important. Because if you're barren, you can't produce heirs, and you won't have offspring to pass on your wealth to. And there won't be anybody to take care of you in your old age. So in that culture and in that time, and in many cultures coming all the way into modern times, that was reason, justifiable reason, to divorce and put away a wife. Because she couldn't provide for your, your, your heritage. But he didn't do that. He was loyal to her. Even into their old age, where they were well past childbearing years, he was, he was loyal to his wife. I love that. So what do we see about Abraham? But ba- the background, the heritage. See, we're, we're kind of picking and choosing at least what we can find out. He was, he was probably a heathen pagan, definitely came from a civilized area, and he was a family man. We know that. You know, I, I got to thinking, if, if he could have chosen what would have been recorded about him, you ever wonder about this, what's going to be recorded about you? I've seen this quote way too many times recently, and I don't know why, but I think it was a Mark Twain thing. He said, if you want to be remembered after you die, do things that will be written about, or you write things that will be remembered, or something like that. But do you ever wonder? What, what, whatever Abraham, if he were to read this, if he'd say, well, wait a minute, there was more to me than that. That's what they got recorded. 
You ever think about that? Those are important things. But here's the, the better thing is you can't change all of that. You all have a background. You all have a heritage. At whatever point in life you are, whether in your, in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s or whatever you are, you already have that. Now, what's in the past, you can't change. You cannot. You can't, can't do anything about it. Whether it's written down or not, it's there. Whether it's you've already got kids or grandkids or great-grandkids, all that has already happened. Here's what you can change. You can change everything going forward because the fact is God comes into our lives and he gives you an opportunity and he calls you and you can change today forward. Here's something else I want you to think about. Do you think God was um, bothered by Abraham's heritage? I mean, seriously, do you think, think he looked around and said, Abraham's probably the least pagan guy? Do you ever wonder? Do you ever think he thought, I should have picked a guy whose wife could have children? I mean, if he's going to be the father of a whole nation, do you ever think God said, well, I could have picked better? You know what that shows us? Your background doesn't hinder God at all. He is in no way ever, ever limited by your background. None of that matters. The fact is, uh, God calls the ordinary. And let's, let's hop forward just a minute here because I want to I take a look here at some of the things that happens to Abraham. God calls Abraham. I never thought about this before, but if you read in that, that section in the, in the book of Genesis and then you compare it to some of the repetitions now jews just like every culture have repeated their heritage over and over and over to their kids and there's at least three times in the bible where a character in the scriptures will recount the jewish heritage from the beginning till present day one of those instances is stephen he's about to be stoned this is the first martyr we're we're fast forwarding here to the early church the first martyr he's basically giving a defense for his life and he goes back to the very beginning of Jewish history. And if you can imagine, all these Jews are standing around. And they're like, yeah, 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 we know this. In that story, there's a reason that Stephen does this. Because as he goes through that whole recitation of Jewish heritage, he's getting to the point where he's saying, all of Jewish history led up to Jesus. And you crucified him. And that's when they start throwing rocks. But before he gets to that, he says, brothers and fathers, very respectful, brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious father appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. God appeared to him. And we don't have any other insight into his appearing to to, uh, Abraham. I don't know what it looked like. You know, later we see Moses and he sees a burning bush. There's times where there's an angel. You might hear a voice. We don't know what it looked like. All we know is that it it radically changed Abraham's direction in life. Up to this point, he was probably worshiping a moon god. Now this god appears to him. Does that happen to any of you? Because it has never happened to me like that. I mean, it's happened. I feel like God has spoken to me, but not like that. That would be pretty cool. The, The depiction of it in Genesis 12 is like this. The Lord said to Abraham, said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed, as the Lord instructed, and uh, Lot went with him. Here's the big thing here. He went. I don't know how God appeared to him. All I know is that when God spoke to him, he obeyed. 
A lot of people don't do that. You realize that, right? A lot of us don't do it because the fact is he's always speaking. Again, it's not a burning bush. It's not even a voice. I've had so many people over the years and recently more than normal, but come to me and say, does God really speak to you? I'm like, did I say that? And they're like, well, no, but I hear other people say all the time, God told me this or God told me that. Is it like a voice? Is it deep? I, I never hear that. Maybe some people do. I've heard of people hearing that. That's not how it is for me. And there's times where I have an impression what he, what he wants, and there's times where I think, is this me or is this God? God, is this where you want? And I feel like, well, I think it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go this way. There's times where I'm sure beyond doubt. There's times where, where I may be maybe hesitant for something to happen, and somebody will say something, and I'm thinking, oh, that's weird. I was just praying about that. What are they talking about? And then someone at Quick Trip, I'll hear a conversation. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Somebody's talking about the same thing I've been praying about. And you might say, like, like, your, like your daughter's boss said, well, I don't believe in that. You could say that. All I know is it happens enough that I know God speaks, and he uses different ways. I've had times where someone would come up to me, and they'd say, they'd say Dennis, I feel like God wants me to tell you this. You know, and whenever somebody does that, I'm, I'm always willing to listen. The Bible says to, to you know, test that. You know, and I want it to be a confirmation of what's something else, you know, that he's telling me. And, and there's been a lot of times where it's been accurate and like, wow, okay, yeah, God's been dealing with me about that. Appreciate you telling me that. But it doesn't always happen that way. The fact is, most of the time when God's speaking, we're not listening. We're just busy. We're busy with life or we're distracted or maybe we don't want to hear what he has to say. And the bottom line is we don't do what he says. That's really the basis of all of this. The, the reason that Abraham is special and the reason God used him and blessed him is because he went. He had the faith. When God called him, he believed in him enough to go and do. And faith is one of those things, you know, you hear that term and for you, maybe it means different things. I mean, I've heard people almost mock Christianity and they'll say, well, that's when you believe something, even though you know it's not really true. No, not really. That's not it. Or they might say, you talking about blind faith where there's no reason you just jump and believe? No, it's not really like that either. And people might say, well, it's a crutch. And I'll say, actually, it's more than a crutch. It's more like a hammock. Because <laughs> I can lean in it and trust in faith. It's different than that. And that usually doesn't take the conversation further because then they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've heard people say, um, I've heard other people on the other side say, all that matters is faith. Faith is everything. And I would caution that, too, because it really depends on what your faith is in. The object of your faith really, really, really matters. But with, with Abraham, he trusted God, and he believed him, and he went. The bottom line is this. Abraham met God, and it changed his life. Abraham met God. God called him, and he went. He believed him, and he went. So does he do the same today? I, I don't think you're going to see a, a, a burning bush. And I don't think necessarily that you're going to see a bright light. Or, but you might. I don't know. I'm not going to limit God like that. You might have a dream or you might have a vision because he speaks like that sometimes. For you, it might be a still small voice that's just kind of a hunch. Or for you, it might be something really. I, I mean, I have heard people tell me I heard a voice and I believe them. They're, they're people I know and I trust. All I'm saying is, he speaks, and it's up to you whether or not you'll believe enough to move. So my question might be this, what has he called you to do? 
Because I'm guessing he's called you to do something. And it doesn't matter your age. It didn't say there, did it, how old Abraham was at the time? Because he's old. He was in his 70s. He was 75 at the time. His dad was still alive. His dad lived to 205, but still, I mean, he was still 75. I don't know where your life is. You could be 35 or 18 or 50 or 65. If you're still breathing, he's still calling you. That's how it works. Because he never stops working with us. It's not like he just hangs us up and says, okay, I'm done with you now. You can just chill. It's not like that. What it is, is he's got different things for us to do. It may not be the same as when you were 15, but, it's, but he still has something for you to do. And for Abraham, it was leaving everything. When he called Abraham, it was leaving everything he knew. The civilization and to go into the, really the wild, wild, you know, yonder. For him, it was leaving family. For him, it was leaving his old religion and his faith. It was everything. For you, it could be something totally different. It might be sharing, sharing the good news with a coworker or a friend or a schoolmate or a family member. For you, it could be committing yourself to more of the Bible or prayer. It could be uh, giving. Maybe you've been struggling with that and he's calling you to do that. It could be going on a missions trip or spending time with someone who's really difficult. You know what I'm talking about? Someone popped in your mind, huh? I saw that look on your face. <laughs> I'm not saying God's calling you to that, but it could be. It could be volunteering somewhere. I know people who have given their life, and it's almost like they're doing more with their life in their latter years than their earlier years. And they're volunteering at a hospital or at a school or, or even here at the church or something. Maybe it's taking care of neighbor kids, or maybe it's providing meals when someone has a baby, or, you know, we have funerals here at the church. And, I mean, those are things God could be calling you to do that are above and beyond what you're doing now. And that's what he does. It could be giving a lost relationship another chance. It could be fasting. And, and maybe not just food. Maybe it's TV or phone or internet, or maybe it's going to teach English in China. I don't know. But it might be leaving the security of where you are and moving into something else that he's calling you to do. It might be adopting some kids or fostering some kids. But here, no matter what it is, your background doesn't limit God. Whatever your background is and whatever you think your heritage is, you can be proud of all that. But don't, don't ever think that it limits God because it doesn't. He's not limited by any of that. He didn't pick you because of any of that. And he won't, he won't use you because of or not because of any of that. The fact is, he calls all of us and uses all of us. And by human standards, we think certain people are more equipped, but God doesn't worry about all that. He calls you, and then he equips you. And he can do things through you that, that only he could do, and then he gets all the glory. Here, there's a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians that speaks directly to this. Look at this real, real quick. It says, but to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, all of us, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan. Doesn't that sound weird for the Bible to be calling a plan of God foolish? Here's what he's saying. It sounds foolish. It doesn't make sense because it's just what we're talking about. Because in our mind, we think God would call smarter people, prettier people, more talented people, richer people, people that, are, that have position or maybe people who are in government. But that's not what he does. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. <laughs> Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. And he says, God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. 
And as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God because you know it's God. He's not limited by that. In fact, he goes a step further and he uses our backgrounds to his glory. That's what he does. He does. We were talking, I was talking, actually Deborah and I were talking about this earlier. The fact that maybe you've had this experience where something happens maybe to someone in your family or you and you end up in the hospital or you're at the hospital visiting and you learn all these new terms, right? It's like you never even knew this stuff existed and all of a sudden you're like a little medical expert in this one little area. Isn't that weird? And then you have a friend who's in the hospital and you walk in and they're all, they're all nervous and they're looking at the monitor and they're freaking out and you're saying, oh, that, that means this and this and this. And God just used your experience to help them. Maybe you went through a divorce and it was painful and God brought you through and now you can minister to people who are experiencing that in a way that you could never have before. Maybe you had a loss, a tragic loss. I love... Um, Candace isn't in here right now, but her ministry that she's doing with Titan's Light is an amazing thing. They're taking, they had a baby who died. He, Titan died, I think two weeks before his due date, something like that. <clears throat> and she had to go through the delivery. It's horrible, horrible. I can't imagine a worse thing. And we went through the funeral. I, I, I will never forget, you know, when um, Terrence had to pick up the casket and walk out past all of us. I mean, it's just Unbelievable. And what she's doing now is her ministry is going to help moms and dads through that experience. She's met with countless funeral homes. She's got price lists. She's going to help with all of that. She's raising money to help them because you're not planning for a funeral. You're raising, you're, you're, you're putting a nursery together and you're buying baby clothes and you just bought a crib and you don't have money to bury a baby. And she's, God is using her background to bless people in a way that could, it's just amazing. And he does that all the time. Whatever it is, maybe you've been poor and you've been there and you know that God provides. Maybe you've had a tragedy and you know that God restores. Maybe, maybe you've experienced abuse and you know that God heals. Or, I mean, God does that. He takes whatever your background is and he uses it. And he did the same thing with Abraham all through his life. Here's my challenge to you. Respond to his call, whatever it is. And, and this is something that the theologians have debated for a long time, but I just want to just throw this out there. I'm not saying this is necessarily gospel, but I read over it really quickly when we read that last part of chapter 11 in the very beginning. But did you catch that part? Yes, God called Abraham, but it literally says that Terran, his dad, was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Now, I'm not, I, I, we don't know we don't know. All I'm saying is, what if God called his dad and he only went halfway? That's what it looks like. Because Abraham was younger, his dad was older, his dad was part of the crowd, and they went and stopped there, and his dad died there. I, I, I don't know for sure. All I know is this. God's calling you all the time to something. And my challenge to you tonight is for you to answer it, and answer it with, yes, I will. And then let him work out the details from there because he's calling all of us all the time. And whatever your background is, if you're thinking, well, I'm not the best equipped for that, you know what? You may not be. But God's not limited by that. It doesn't bother him. In fact, he'll use whatever you have and he'll do something cool with it, something that no one else could be doing. That's what he does. So let's shut our eyes for just a minute. Dave, if you could put some music on. And I just want you to take a few moments between you and God, just you and him. And I want you to just... 
talk to him for a minute. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, Pastor Dennis, he doesn't really call me. Actually, I haven't heard from him in a long time. He doesn't talk to me. Here's what I'd like you to do. Is I'd like you to think that through for a minute and just ask him, God, have you been calling? Have you been calling and I haven't been listening? Because I, And tell him, tell him, I want to hear you and I want to do what you want me to do. If that's your heart and your heart is toward him and toward obedience like that, tell him. Tell him. If maybe you've said no to a few things and you think, oh, he's passed me by and he's given me a chance and my time is up. I'm telling you tonight that's not true. And if that's you, tell him. God, I know I've said no, but I want to say yes. My heart is toward you. I want to say yes. I want you to call me again and I'll answer. And again, for all of us, it's different. Maybe it is teaching English in China. Maybe it is. Maybe it's full-time ministry. Maybe it is. Maybe for you, it's, it's something else. A lot of times what we do is we have a plan already and we go to God and we say, God, here's my plan. I just want you to approve it. But instead, why don't we go to him tonight and say, God, I have some plans, but I want your plans to be my plans. What are your plans for me? Just spend a few moments and talk to him about that. And then look for him to answer in any way he will. Because he will. It'll be different for all of us. If you do have a burning bush thing, I want to know about it because that's cool. But whatever it is, listen to what he says. Father, speak to us tonight. Speak to each and every one of us, God, and just show us what you want us to do. God, we want to be people like Abraham that believe in you enough to answer and go when you call. And to go in whatever way you call. God, that is our, our prayer tonight. Do what needs to be done in us. Remake us, change us, open us to you. In Jesus' name we pray.